The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Oranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope, for Tuesday, January 3rd. My guest today is Bob Taylor, who has 30 years as the California Superior Court Canine Expert and is the recipient of an American Red Cross American Hero Award, among other accolades. Bob Taylor is the founder of Dog Wish, which provides specialized service dogs to individuals with a variety of conditions, including autism. Our topic, the therapeutic role of service dogs. Welcome, Bob. Good morning. Well, Bob, please tell us about your background with dogs before or in synchrony with your involvement with the special needs communities. You know, I started with dogs as a kid. Uh, I, walking home from school one day, I found a dog, and he had a hurt paw. And I took him home, and my dad pulled the glass out of his paw. This was in the 50s. Uh we developed such a strong bond. The dog would lay outside the school and wait for me to get out, go home, and I, you know, would be was my best friend, and I'll never forget him. And through my through my life, I've just had a very special connection with animals. I uh, got into dog training. I, after Los Angeles Police Department work with dogs, I uh, quit to go into uh, dog training. And while I was going to school to be a dog trainer, I worked with uh, Long Beach Animal Control and gained some invaluable experience there. I became a uh, consultant for the Southern California Animal Control Officers Association. And then I became the uh, canine behaviorist for Orange County and then for uh, the state of California. I spent 30 years there. I worked with dangerous dogs. I helped develop the dangerous dog laws to make sure they were non-breed specific, and I've done a, a lot of work with dogs uh, in behavior, transforming their behaviors, and learning methods for actually taking dogs and making them uh, specific dogs and helping them to overcome their emotional and mental problems and at the same time, I went into dog sports and became uh, a national champion for what is called Schutzen, which is the police canine sport. It involves tracking, obedience, and protection. I became the master tracking champion for America several times, the uh, Schutzen champion for America several times, and represented America all over the world. And uh, I've worked in Europe, in several countries, and in Asia, 
and all throughout that time had a, a great desire to help people that had disabilities. So how and when and why did Dog Wish in particular start? In 1999, I uh, met a man, and we became close friends. And I had a client at that time who was uh, living in, in the valley who had a son with autism who was 21. And uh, they had decided to put him into a... Uh, a home for people with autism. And three weeks later, they got a message that he had died trying to eat dinner. He choked to death, and no one helped him. And I saw my son, my friend, uh, I saw his whole life change, and the grief and the guilt that he went through. And then my other friend had a boy with Asperger's who had been kicked out of school, because of miscommunication, he had punched a teacher. And I went over to his house and started to work with him with the animals. And I taught him how to understand what his body was feeling and to feel the emotions that he had. And I talked to the superintendent in school and got him back into school. And I... uh continued to work with him, and he actually was able to go through junior college and get a degree in accounting, and he works in an accounting firm. And I decided I was going to start training dogs for people that had autism. And my first client uh, was a classic case who had spent a lot of time at the uh, University of California, UCLA, and at... uh, University of Irvine, and he was he was thirteen, almost thirteen. He couldn't speak, couldn't use the toilet, he couldn't dress himself, he couldn't didn't respond. And within six months of having that dog, he did all those things and made remarkable improvements. And I decided at that time to make the major thrust of my dog training, training dogs for people that had neurological disabilities and developmental disabilities. And that's how Dog Wish came about. Okay, and you mentioned autism and you mentioned Asperger's. Did the gentleman with Asperger's who you taught to realize his feelings and such, did he have a service dog? I placed the service dog with him. His dad had several shepherds that we had uh, imported from Germany and trained. And he didn't like the dogs. And I taught him how to understand the dogs, how to feel their energies and their emotions, and how to feel his energies and emotions. And through that, he would go to school and say, Bob Taylor wants me to tell you that when you talk to me, it hurts me right here. And he'd point to his heart or his head. And people began to realize that this, this boy was a very intelligent and very sensitive and if they approached him in a sensitive manner, that he would not only understand but respond to them incredibly. And it changed his whole life. And he had his service dog. Uh, he didn't take him to school, but uh, he had him at home, and he worked with him every day. And he would call me all the time and ask me questions about the dogs, you know. And uh, it was a wonderful experience, as all of them are. 
so it sounds like you were able to uh, help him learn to be in tune with himself and have empathy and understand feelings through identifying with the dogs. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And we're going to talk more later about how you train the canines, but conversely, do the dogs also tune in to the person whom they're helping? This is a critical, uh, critical point in training any dog for someone with a neurological disability. Uh, as the national and world master tracking champion, I've been able to take the talents that I developed training hundreds and thousands of dogs for tracking all over the world and use this to teach my dogs to smell the different smells from the clients that I have that are normal or abnormal. And when someone's brain starts producing chemicals throughout the body, through the body, and that change the body's smell, the dogs become, they're very tuned into that. And I believe that focus is 90% of the uh, success that you're going to have with any service dog. And the more focused you can get that dog to be on their handler, the more tuned in they are to their handler, watching their handler, smelling their handler, feeling the energy that their handler is putting out. And when that changes, understanding what's, you know, that this is different, this isn't normal, and being able to respond to that and alert, that is the greatest tool you could have. So a big part of your training is to teach the dogs to focus, to pay attention. To focus on the handlers and to detect normal and abnormal smells and energies coming from that handler. You bet. Okay. So in the world today, with so many persons having uh, developmental or neurological differences, um, are you talking about normal as a baseline of the population or what's normal for that particular person, their baseline? Very good. It has to be what is normal for that person because everyone is different. We're all a world unto ourselves. And as you get into working with people with developmental disabilities, you'll never find two that are the same. And they, you know, their bodies and their minds are all producing different things. And so that dog has to learn to focus in. Now, we, when we train them, we use several trainers. I have several people that help me. A lot of them are my clients. And the client comes out and they'll handle several dogs. So the dog gets used to understanding what is normal. And then they understand what is abnormal because they also experience this through the training. Do you make a dog fit the client or does the client come and and they're able to quote unquote interview several dogs and you can see which dog is best suited in temperament or instinct for that client? Very good question. I really believe that a big part of success in this field is being able to place like personalities together. Now first of all in answer to your question, I have to train each dog that, I, that comes to me that I'm going to use as a service dog. We have to modify the level of energy, the hypertension in that dog 
so that the dog on command will learn to relax and be quiet and focus. If you take a normal dog to a, let's say, a child that has autism, uh, most of the time the dog is too hyper and too nervous, and they, it scares them, and they don't like it. But when I bring in a dog who has been altered metabolically, and that dog is quiet and relaxed and soft and focused, the children love it. What do you mean you're altering the dog metabolically? Are you giving the dog, you know, some B vitamins or or you're altering, the, you're training their temperament to be different so that they're using chemicals in their body differently? No, I don't get into chemicals at all. Everything I do is natural. Yeah, what I mean by chemicals in the body, that could refer to cortisol, you know. Right, exactly. I understand what you're saying. What we do is we teach the dogs to stop, relax, and then focus until the dog stops. Uh, Through the years, I've had hundreds of people bring me dogs they couldn't train because they couldn't get the dog to stop and relax. And before a dog can focus on you, they have to stop. Before the dog can receive what you're trying to send them in communication, they have to focus. So teaching a dog how to stop and just relax and be quiet is indispensable. I mean, it's absolutely imperative, and there's very few trainers in the world that do this. Uh, When we developed our dog psychology, not to get off the point, I was traveling around the world, and I was going to some of the top uh, training trials for dogs in the world, and we were able to evaluate, interview and evaluate literally hundreds of the best trained dogs in the world. And we were able to watch and see what made each dog successful or unsuccessful. And the number one criteria that we found for a successful dog was that they were able to stop and cut their drive, relax and be quiet, and then focus on their handlers, then receive the instruction their handlers wanted to give them. And to the, to the uh, level that that handler was able to get their dog to do that, they would be successful. And, it's the, you know, it is the same thing with our children. So when a child, a, a child with autism, I, I went to a home once early on in training, and the people had taken one of my dogs. It was a Vishla. And their little boy came out, and he goes, I want you to take Charlie home. And I, he, I said, why? He started crying. He goes, I can't see him. I can't see him. And I wondered, what do you mean you can't see Charlie? And I said, would you bring Charlie in? And they brought him in. And he was running all over the house. I said, where's his leash? Don't you have him on a leash in the house? And they said, no. I said, but I told you, you always have him on a leash, especially in the beginning. So I put a leash on Charlie, and Charlie calmed down. And the little boy looked at him. He says, oh, Charlie, oh, I like you. Because now Charlie was quiet and calm. And the parents didn't understand that his mind couldn't handle the the nervousness in that dog and the hypertension. So by what we do is we go out and we teach them every single day, three, four times a day, to just stop, 
relax, and be quiet. And they learn on command when we approach to go into what I call training mode to cut their drive, relax, be quiet, and get rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a normal part of that dog's behavior. Does that help? Yeah, it sounds like, uh, sounds like something maybe we all should do. Stop, relax, uh, listen, and uh, sounds like a, a good business model for, for us all. It, it really is. One out of two people in America today is having problems with anxiety and depression because our world is sped up so fast. We're traveling at the speed of thought. And we can't handle it. Our minds can't handle it. The emotion that this is creating, the anxiety that this is creating for all of us, learning to just be able to turn it off and to train your mind, which we all have to do. In my book, uh, How to Train a Psychiatric Service Dog, I go into a great detail on teaching people how to relax, be able to cut the, the hypertension, and just focus, just like we do our dogs, and we do it through dog training, and to breathe and just enjoy being here and not suffer with anxiety. Well, I know that you have service dogs to address uh, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's right. talk, in addition, you know, in addition to autism, Asperger's syndrome, um, we're going to cover Alzheimer's in a little bit, before the break, let's talk about seizures. Um, I understand that um, that you've said to me in the past that the canines can even sense seizures. This is very important. Um, the most imp- the, the the key to success in working with people that have seizures is to get a dog. First of all that has a very strong uh, ability to detect smell. Because when your brain starts to go into a seizure event, the first thing it does is it sends out, stimulates your body, and your body changes smell. Now, to someone who's having seizures, they can't tell the difference because the cells in their brain have been destroyed that would tell them, to you know, what what is going on here. So they... they think everything is normal, but to a dog, this person starts to literally radiate a very acidic uh, odor, and the dogs can tell instantly when your brain starts to go into a seizure mode. Now, sometimes this happens very quickly, but a lot of times this will happen over a period of time, and on, we have our dogs, they'll their dogs will uh, alert when their handlers are sleeping if they start to go into a seizure mode. Uh, whenever it starts, the dogs know. And I have people call me and say, my dog doesn't want me to walk. He keeps walking in front of me. What's wrong with him? You know. And I say, why don't you sit down in a chair and take some seizure medication because it sounds like that's what's happening. Oh, oh, you're right. You know, And <laughs> we, we have this happen all the time. Uh, I'll be taking a dog through the store, or a client will, and their dog all of a sudden, instead of paying attention to them, will get excited and alert on someone else. And they have to ask them, "Are you? Are you? Do you have seizures?" And they'll yes, you know, and uh, they'll indicate that that person's going to have a seizure. 
So are you able to give us any concrete examples from what clients have told you about any seizures having been, um, you know, prevented in a, in a child with autism, for example? I uh, placed a dog in school with a little girl um, a year and a half ago. And she would have horrible meltdowns and then go into seizures and three times a week at school. And the events would last for three to four hours. And after uh, placing the dog with her, they noticed that after two weeks, she stopped having seizures and her meltdowns went down to maybe one a week for a half an hour. But she had much more emotional control and balance because of the dogs. Now, I, I'm going to tell you some things today that you probably have not heard from other people, but they're things that we have learned through experience. Okay, Bob. We're going to pick up with that as soon as we come back from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please stay tuned. Um, this is very fascinating information. We want to thank our sponsor, Oxy Health, and we'll be right back with Bob Taylor. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. 
We're back with Bob Taylor, the founder of Dog Wish, which you can find at www.dogwish.org. It's spelled the way it sounds, D-O-G-W-I-S-H.org. And Bob, before the break, you were telling us um, a heartwarming story about a girl whose seizures were helped through having a service dog. You also said that we're going to hear some things from you we haven't heard from anybody else. Can you pick up with that, please? Okay. My training, first of all, is based on comprehensive documented science. And that is very important, for, especially for viewers to know that everything we do uh, is documented and is very, done very comprehensively. Uh, I've actually worked with some of the top psychologists in the nation for the Autism Society, and they are all uh, profoundly impressed with the actual experiences that they saw at my facility with the kids that I was working with. Now, one of the things that I was going to mention here is that it's not just the dog's ability to detect the neurological uh, abnormalities in their handlers that's important. A key factor with the dogs that I train is that the dogs in themselves will help balance and emotionally stabilize their handlers. The presence of the dog, and every dog has a therapeutic presence. When you can multiply that tenfold through your training, and when you can help the dog to develop that presence because of the way we modify their hypertension and other things that we do, just by being close to that dog, you're going to find that the, the handler will relax, balance, and stabilize themselves. And this is very important, especially in school. I have several clients who have been kicked out of school because they were so disruptive. And uh, they would, you know, spit and hick and hit and kick and have meltdowns and severe tantrums in class. And once they got a dog, uh, those activities greatly reduced. So it isn't just a matter of with the seizure, for instance, of the dog alerting. By being near that dog, that handler will, the uh, amount of seizures they have and the severity will greatly lessen. And this is what uh, got me into training dogs for people with seizures. Uh, I was kind of scared of that. That's a frightening thing to me, and there's a lot involved in that. It's a complicated issue. And so when I, the reason I got into training dogs for people with seizures is because the parents of my, my uh, recipients who had uh, autism and cerebral palsy and different things would call me and say, Bob, you know what's happening? You know, our child, we've been able to take our child off of medications They've stopped having these severe seizures, and it's all because of this dog, because of the presence of the dog. So that made me very curious, and then I started working and started developing. And I want you to understand that when I first started working with people with seizures, I hired people with seizures. I, I opened my home and had several come and live with me. I put trailers on my property and had them live in prop on trailers, and then we would go out and work with them daily. And I worked with 100 people because I wanted to know exactly what I was doing 
this is a very critical and serious field. Uh, absolutely, and this would be a good uh, time in the program to let all of our listeners know. Of course, if your child um, or uh, loved one or the person for whom you're providing care is on any um, medical regimen, to please consult with that person's overseeing physician who provides regular medical oversight, lab tests, and monitoring before um, beginning, ending, or changing any established protocol. So Absolutely. Well, Bob, um, we know that wandering is a big issue in the autism community with uh, many children who have wandered off and, um, and, and not made it back. Um, how can your canines help prevent wandering? Uh, several ways. Number one, um, years ago I started uh, out of necessity uh, teaching my dogs to work with people that have uh, disabilities with a tether. And we found it highly effective because of the way that I trained my dogs for obedience. I trained my dogs for obedience to work like a horse trainer would train a, a horse for dressage, where the dog works step by step with or around the handler and moves exactly according to the, the movement of the handler, watches the handler. And when you say um, handler, you can be referring to the child for whom the service dog is provided. Sure, to that recipient. Uh-huh. And I should probably be specific there. And whoever is handling the dog, the dog will work for them in that manner. But especially once they get used to that recipient, they learn uh, to stay out of their way, to move with them, for them, and around them. And this is a, of course, it has to be done on an individual basis. Everything we do is done on a customized basis from the selection of the dog on up. You know, where when we select a dog for someone, we try to find personalities that match as closely as possible. I want the dog to fit into the lifestyle, into the mindset of that recipient as closely as possible because this makes things more successful. But when you're working with a child who wanders, uh, Putting that child, and first of all, tethering that child to the dog helps them to calm down, relax inside, and not to feel so anxious and hypertensive themselves. Secondly, um, a lot of people with uh, neurological problems have a tendency to use their right brain more. And having raised four boys myself, uh, it's quite common. <laughs> you know, as kids are growing up, boys do. They lose their train of thought, they're, and they just go here, they go there, they do what they want to do, and we've all had to save our kids from uh, the street, from running into the street, but uh, with someone that has a, uh, a disability. Uh, this is a much more serious problem with many of them, and uh, I don't know how they survive. Their parents must be so vigilant. But with our dogs, first of all, I decided to train dogs that could search kids out. The first dog I trained, his name was Casper. He went with Dr. David Kelso, who was a nationally known 
uh, neuroscientist, and uh, Dr. Kelso used the dog for search and rescue and would find children. He was so successful that uh, three months after I had trained Casper, he went to Roswell, New Mexico to see his father, and uh, his father had had a heart attack, and this, the second week he was there, he was walking his dogs, and they, they refused to go past this one street. So he finally realized, oh, they want to go there. Something's going on. So they walked down about three houses, and they laid on the grass, and they wouldn't move. And so he went to the police department, got a, uh, a writ to search the house, and found four children inside this house kidnapped from different parts of the United States that were staying in that house waiting to be sold. And the dogs just knew they could feel the presence of those children and that there was something abnormal and wrong here. So this is very important. Uh, Casper became the nation's leading search and rescue canine, and that's how I got in, uh, the American Hero Award. But uh, we train dogs, first of all, to search children out, uh, every dog I train for every recipient that has a developmental disability, I use the clothing from that person. I teach the dog to track, and then I use the clothing and teach the dog to search out that, that smell. And I feed them with that smell so that when they actually go to the client, they get very excited because this is the smell they've been smelling, and this person has the smell, you know. And it uh, is very effective. Uh, we've had children... They got lost at school. The dogs found them in a in a, a very short period of time, under under three minutes. Usually wow! Because the kids are within a block away, and the dogs go right to them. In fact, most of the time, the dogs are waiting for you to unleash them so they can go get their they can go get their handler because that's all they care about. Um, the other thing is, the dogs are also trained and can be trained for boundary control, and if they're tethered to uh, someone that has a disability and taught boundary control, they won't go beyond that boundary. Mm-hmm. And handlers, I, I, handlers are shocked. I have uh, a client in Downey, and they were concerned about their son going in the street, and so I taught the dog boundary control in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And after 15 minutes, that dog would not leave the boundaries that I showed it for any reason. I imagine they're, they're shocked. Good. They're still shocked. <laughs> I would imagine this is good for Alzheimer's too. It's phenomenal for Alzheimer's to be able to know that your your loved one is safe. They're on a walk with the dog. The dog's not going off the block, no matter what they do. If they, if they want to leave, the dog will just lay down. Or uh, you can use a vibrating collar, touch the vibrator, and the, and the dog will immediately walk them home. Okay. Go ahead. Now, before we go to break. Um, what are the breeds that you use, and how do you know that the dog, uh, the particular canine, you know, meets the appropriate standards and is smarter than the average bear? I have for 30 years, as the California Superior Court canine expert, done a comprehensive evaluation of the personality of every dog I've trained. Uh, many of them I've had to do for court as an expert. And... When I get a hold of a dog, we have some 200 categories that we evaluate with every dog. So we're, it's a very extensive evaluation process. But uh, it's not as much the breed, and it, it is 
but I don't want to be too prejudiced. I'll train any breed of dog. The most important thing, as I've written on my website, is that it has a good mother. Breeding goes 80% to the mother. The mother's the one who allows and doesn't allow dominant recessive uh, genetic traits to come into the puppies. And when you get a good mother, you've got an invaluable prospect. I have a, a female shepherd that I've bred five litters from. Every single dog was a service dog. I have a Connie Corso Mastiff, and I, I use Connie Corsos a lot. I own Connies in my home, and I play several Connie Corsos with children. The dog that went to school with this young seven-year-old uh, little girl who changed the life of everyone in her class, the kids were doing 30% better in their schoolwork after the dog had been there for a couple weeks. Wow. It was obvious that the, there was an incredible improvement in the class because of the presence of that dog, and that was a Connie Corso Mastiff that this little seven-year-old girl could make do anything. She still has the dog, and the dog is wonderful for her. Wow. All right, Bob. Uh, we're going to take a break, and if anybody wants to look at the breeds of dogs um, that Bob's talking about, you can go to www.dogwish.org. We're going to take a break. Thank you to this program sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Bob Taylor from Dogwish, www.dogwish.org. And, Bob, you were making an interesting observation during the break, and that is that um, basically seeing is believing. Uh, And once the dog uh, is matched with their handler, the, the individual, the recipient who needs them, 
the dog actually goes on a mission and, um, you know, blossoms. I've had this happen with so many dogs that I've trained where I can take the dog and breed it and raise it. And then I take the dog. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story of a little girl. She had 13 ear surgery. She was deaf. She'd never had a, a close friend. She went to a special school in Los Angeles. And I had this puppy. It was the most stubborn, hard-headed little puppy. She just did not want to uh, change. And she fought to be herself, which is okay. That's great. That's what we want. But she was so stubborn. This is <laughs> she the puppy? would figure out what you wanted her to do and make sure she didn't do it. <laughs> the puppy was stubborn. Oh, yes. And uh, I just... My heart told me this was the dog for this little girl. And sometimes it's just, it's hard to go with your heart. Uh, I was scared that it, it wouldn't perform for her properly, so I told them, we're going to try this. It's just a test. We'll see what happens. And the little girl came out with her dad, and I brought the puppy out, and she stopped and got down on her knees and kissed this puppy and got up, and that dog went to work. It was like it was a different dog. The dog understood. The dog could feel her. And they became best friends instantly in front of us. My whole staff stood there crying, literally. I'll never forget my kennel girl was just sobbing and hugging me. And a lot of my trainers, uh, my new trainers, they'll come in to do dog training with me, and they won't understand why I'm so meticulous and why this is such a life and death and critical thing for me. And then the handler, the recipient, will come out for a dog that we've been working with, and they'll watch the performance of that dog with that recipient, and it all makes sense. And it's a day they never forget for the rest of their life because these dogs have been waiting to go to someone, and they don't know exactly what or why or how, but when they meet their recipient, when they meet their handler, their whole world changes. It's the most exciting thing in the world, and it's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. It sounds very touching, and I, I would. It sounds like there's there's an an art to this. Well, how do families apply for this program? Um, what are the costs? How? Can families obtain help or funding? How do they embark on this program? If anyone who's listening is interested, they can email me, bob at dogwish.org. It's on my website, bob at dogwish.org, and I will send you an application. Uh, Fill out the application, send it back with the pictures in as much detail as you can. And then we'll help you. I have a philosophy for fundraising that has worked very well for many people. And uh, basically, you contact all your friends and business associates. They contact their friends and business associates, and you have an event, a concrete event at a specific time and place where they can come. Most of the time, they will send uh, donations to you if they can't come. And if they do come, a lot of times they'll double them when they see what, what's actually happening. It's a very hard, hard uh, warming experience. And every time that I can, I try to be there. And 
we we have paid uh, for dogs completely in one event through through this fundraising procedure. I found it to be the most successful I've ever seen, and uh, we're doing one now, and we're all getting. It's been a half of a week. I'm talking three days since they put out letters, and they're already giving responses. So we can help you make this happen. And if you have a need and you really want to get a service dog, we'll help you make this a reality for you. That's what I'm good at. Okay. How can others who may not need a service dog for um, someone in their care or a family member, how can others support Dog Wish? Well, Dog Wish is a 501c. We're California state charity. We're recognized by the IRS and licensed by them. And any donations, if you go to my website, we have a donations uh, page. Any donations that come into Dog Wish are used completely to uh, pay for canines that we are training for other people. And, in fact, a lot of my my clients now who are raising money for Dog Wish have been contacted by other clients, and they're all in there helping each other, which is, you know, wonderful. We're starting a whole community of people that are, are working to getting service dogs, and they, they all care about each other, and that's the way it should be. Very nice. Well, Bob, um, do you have any other take-home messages that we haven't covered before we break? I want to read you my dog wish promise. And uh, I had a client that I asked, I asked every client for a, a complete list of every problem their child has and a complete list of everything they want their dog to do. And that's where we start. We go from there. The son that he sent me back, 39 problems that her son has. And they're extensive. With, with autism, with seizures, cerebral palsy, sleep apnea, he's on a liquid diet and, you know, not able to go to regular school. And, and they, they came to me and I read these things and I stopped the next morning and wrote this down. The dog wish promise, I have come to bring goodness. Through the life force we harness in each dog we produce, in every dog wish service dog we create, through the power we endue and the abilities we build, by the transformation we channel and the connection we make possible, we simply bring change from chaos to order, mm. from hopelessness to hope, from despair to joyfulness, from doubt to faith, from disability to ability, from sickness to health, from ignorance to knowledge, from death to life, um, Tanya Heathcote, the founder of the National Seizure Disorder Foundation, told me a couple months ago that she has noticed that people that suffer disabilities also suffer partial death through those disabilities. And we bring life. We, our main goal here is to enable you and empower you to bless you with hope and drive to become able and to live your life 
as successful as you can and as, on as high a level as you can. And that's our goal. And I will do anything to support you and help you do that. Well, Bob, thank you so very much for sharing this very hopeful information about how canines can help our kids. Thanks so much for being on today. You bet. And to our listeners, my guest next week is Kathy Darrow talking about relationship development intervention, better known as RDI. Don't forget to sign up for the Autism One Generation Rescue 2012 conference, which has over 100 speakers, three keynotes, five featured speakers, and over 20 content tracks over five days. And again, registration is free. Please go to www.autismone.org. The conference is next May in Chicagoland. Thank you to this program sponsor, OxyHealth, and to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.